So welcome to our, I guess, second live session, but we always call this the first live session because this is where we really start to dive into some of our frameworks that are going to take you from legacy writing to digital writing. So today's all about that. But before we get there, a quick recap of onboarding week. This is our leaderboard. we got a couple different views that Cole and I can look at. We're going to publish it. But as of right now, if you have all six badges, you're in the top 27%, which is what everyone's done. Our goal is to get that to 100% every week. So if you've done it, get there. If not, you've got all day to catch up and you can go keep going through onboarding week. Make sure you collect all your badges because by the end, there'll be some special treats for everyone who has every single badge claimed. But good job to everyone. A uh, ton of badges claimed already. A ton of rapid fire intros done. And uh, if you want to find your way on this slide next week, Boom, this is our top shippers, week one. Everyone who's claimed every badge, you can find your name. It's in alphabetical order. Your goal should be to make it on. Our our goal is to make it where we can't fit all your names on this slide, where <laughs> you're going to need a magnifying glass to, to try and find it. So if you're on here, amazing job. If you're not, it's okay. Go claim your badges. Super easy to do. And um, I think that's all we got for our leaderboard. Just try to get on here. I think that's it. Couple quick shout outs because we love just, you know, celebrating the wins uh, each week. Um, love this, you know. Hey, if you got all the badges, let us know. There's something to be to be proud of with that. Um, and if you have questions at all, if you're confused at all about how to unlock a certain badge, please just let us know. We try and give you everything you need. Um, this, you know, I, I loved when I saw this, I was so happy. Uh, because Aaron said at this point in the last cohort, I was four days behind, not this time. And it just shows we're always iterating. We're always getting better. You'll notice a ton of people come back for a second, a third, a fourth cohort. Um, there's a lot here. So if you don't get into something the first time, you can always come back and do it again. Uh, this too, I mean, already feeling like perfectionism is out the door. This was super hard for me to get over. So I love when I see other people get there as well. Um, you don't feel the urge to be perfect anymore. You're just often, often shipping smooth sailing from there. Uh, shout out to Danny. This has been incredible. Three, 300 atomic essays. This is one of those, like you just, you never know where the journey is going to take you and you just commit to the process. Um, so incredible. So Danny, if you're here, I don't usually, I, I see a LFG in the chat and I know you are, but if you're not and you watch the replay, shout out to you man because this is just so so incredible yeah we had a couple people hit 300 today or this week i got a bunch of messages from people who that goes all the way back to what april ish of last year close yeah almost a year yeah okay. yeah Amazing. incredible and then same thing ren um ren was in the january cohort and now says hey as a product of my writing online landed two new clients that's really really exciting and that's the type of stuff that you unlock and you don't even know it, you know, you don't even walk in with that expectations just through the act of it. You just unlock these uh, outcomes and opportunities. So shout out to everyone. Uh, and please keep sharing these things. We love celebrating them. So if something is a cool byproduct of your writing online, then throw it in the channel and we'd love to shout you out. Boom. All right, let's run through some quick logistics. We're underway. It's day one, uh, 29 more to go. If you've hit published today, I'm going 30 for 30 this time. I think Cole is as well. And that leads us to point number two, don't get in your own way, right? It's going to, some days are going to be easy. Some days are going to be hard. Just commit to showing up every single day. If you miss a day, it's all about getting back on the next one. Our rule, and I think if you can take one thing away, it's don't miss twice. The second you miss twice, it's easy to justify that you're going to miss X, Y, and Z. If you miss one day, life's going to get in the way. Just hop right back on the next day. That's what it's all about. And that's the way to keep it going. So Another thing is share your learnings in public. Feel free to write threads, share essays, screenshots, visuals, whatever it is with the frameworks we uh, we talk about during these live sessions. Throw them on Twitter, throw them wherever. We love paying it forward. And then lastly, and we'll talk about this in the next slide, but the curriculum is now live. Um, you should see that space unlocked in circle. And what that is, is each week we'll post the replays to the live sessions. We'll post the corresponding deep dives to that live session. And we'll post that week's Q&A forum where you can submit any questions that you have related to what we covered that week. And Cole and I will record a video at the end of the week kind of running through those questions. It also helps us um, understand where we can be clear with some of the frameworks that we share. So yeah. Cole, if you jump to the next slide. 
the Q&A session is at the end of the week one curriculum. When you click on the week one curriculum and circle, you'll see this live session. You'll see our first deep dive, which is paired with this live session to kind of drive some of our points home. And then you'll see the Q&A. Perfect. A um, couple quick uh, other things just to kind of set the tone for the cohort if you haven't done it already. Uh, go inside Twitter and open your DMs. You know, it's very common for shippers to want to reach out to each other um, inside both Circle and Twitter. So if you want to be open to the serendipitous possibilities of what could happen, uh, leave your DMs open. So just do that inside your, your Twitter settings. And then also just so people, you know, it's easier to find people moving from Zoom and breakout rooms over to Circle and Twitter, uh, feel free to put your Twitter username in Zoom as well. That way, if you're in a breakout room with someone, you want to go follow them, it's very easy to just see their name and then go follow. Yeah, we'll make a little video on how to do that because I think that's a good, uh, good reminder for people. And so just as a quick recap, right, this is the path that that we're on. Um, hopefully you've already claimed your future digital writer badge from the kickoff call. And now in session one, we're going to get you your official digital writer badge. Um, how this is going to work is very similar to the last session. Uh, we're going to go through everything that we have on, on the deck for today. At the end of the session, you just comment on the replay video with a link to your first atomic essay, either on Twitter or on TypeShare. And then we also really encourage you, you don't have to do it before you write, but we encourage you to read through the deep dive that's paired with this session as well, because it's just going to kind of reinforce and give more context to what we're going to walk you through today. Yeah, the deep dives are a way to, it's, we throw a ton at you during these live sessions, give it a little bit of time to marinate and then see the frameworks we talk about in action. Um, we'll have it for every single live session. There'll be a, a long form post that you can read through to kind of drive the ideas home. And that's a new feature for this cohort because we know you can't always soak it all in during the live session. Sometimes it's good to see them in action. And so you'll be able to do that this time. Yep. So all right. Lastly, we throw a ton at you during these live sessions. It's going to feel overwhelming sometimes. You're going to think, oh wow, I'm learning. Hopefully you're saying, wow, I'm learning so much. Don't try to capture every single thing we say. They're recorded. They're show notes. You get the slides come into each live session saying, I'm going to emerge with one golden nugget. I'm looking for one thing that I can apply to my writing today. And then we're going to quiz you on this at the end where everyone's going to drop their golden nugget in the chat. It also helps us see, hey, which are the most important frameworks? What sticks out the most? And we can double down and improve and keep iterating on the, the frameworks we share. So I say that because it's easy to come into these thinking you got to capture every single thing we say. Nope. Just listen, enjoy and try to emerge with one thing you can apply. And that if, if that's a successful session, if you do that. It's all you need, it's all you need. So here's what we're diving into today. We're gonna to walk you through the lean writing mentality. Okay, this is a framework that Dickie and I use. Um, it's also one that it, the whole deep dive that's paired with the session goes really in depth on this. Um, we're gonna give you some examples of how it works. Uh, once, you, once we point it out, you'll see it everywhere. It's very, very common, it kind of hides in plain sight. The second is this idea of making noise and listening for signal, and that's testing small ideas and then doubling down on the ones that work. And then third is kind of this very easy framework that you can use when you're trying to figure out who am I writing for and what's the outcome that I'm driving. This is a great foundational concept for in the next session when we talk about idea generation and then the session after that we get into headline writing. If you can understand this today, it's going to make the next two sessions a lot easier. So we want to prep that and plant the seed now, and then we'll get further in depth uh, as we go along. Also, uh, if you haven't grabbed the PDF of this yet, or you haven't given this a read, this really encompasses all of kind of the pillar statements that we make throughout Ship 30. These are, these are the 22 laws and just fundamental principles that we try and pass along. So if at any point you feel like, oh, there's all these gems floating around me and I wish I had them all in one place, this PDF is probably the best way to do that. So we encourage you to have it, download it, refer back to it. Um, it's always there if you need it. Okay. So real quick, the, the first big point of view we want to present as we dig into everything here, and this really sets the tone for the whole cohort, is this difference between analog writing and digital writing. 
analog writing is the way that we're all taught to think about writing growing up. You think about, you used to write essays in English class, you know, maybe you studied journalism in college. I, my first year of college was spent studying journalism, right? You have all of these old school forms of this is what it means to write. And in that analog world of writing, there's a handful of rules, right? And some of the rules are, hey, you got to, if you want to write a book, you got to go quit your job and hide away in a cabin for two years, right? Because how else are you going to write a book, right? And hey, it's, it's only legit writing if it's pen and paper, right? You got to feel it. You got to feel it in your hand. And, oh, you know, you don't want to show your work to anyone, right? You got to wait until it's perfect, right? There's all these rules that we're taught. And what I've learned over the years and what we've realized the more and more that we evangelize the digital writing path is that these rules hold you back. These rules get in the way of you learning. And instead, they cultivate a mindset of perfection, not progress. You think I can't do anything until it's perfect. And because perfect is subjective, the writer is just stuck, right? They're never really able to move forward. And so what we like presenting right out the gate and introducing on this difference between analog and digital is that digital writing is not just, oh, I wrote something on the internet. Digital writing is a way of thinking. It's, it's the movement from slow feedback loops. I write a book every five years you know, or I write a short story and I don't show it to anyone for nine months until it's done to rapid fire feedback loop. I write something atomically. I put it out into the world. I see who engages with it on Twitter in a matter of minutes. And then I make a new decision, right? Same thing, practicing in private. Oh, analog, you want to go write in a log cabin? No, we say, don't do that. We say, write in airports, write in cabs, write at your mom's house, write in your bedroom, write at college, write in the middle of a class, write while you're at work write all the time, all the time. You don't need to be secluded from everyone. Just practice in public and you will learn faster. A old analog world optimized for perfect, new digital world optimized for progress, right? Perfect is subjective. What's perfect? No one knows what perfect is, right? So let's optimize for progress. Old world writing alone, new world writing together, writing with your readers, right? Why would you spend two years writing something that you don't know if anyone even finds interesting. When in the digital world, you can write one sentence, put it on the internet and learn whether or not people find it interesting, right? So you want to write with your readers. And then in the old world, this idea of monetizing something once, you write a book, you sell a book, right? That's it. Digital world, you can monetize things infinite times. Your book can become a, a paid digital product, can become a course, can become a bunch of other products. They can all build on each other. So this is the big thing that we want to present out the gate is that this is not just a how to write on the internet. This is a how to reorient your thinking in a way that allows you to move exponentially faster than all the other people that are sitting there going, I got to go quit my job and write a book in a log cabin for two years. And it's, it's worth thinking about why these this analog, this analog world was the way it was, right? Imagine Ben Franklin back in the day publishing a book all the steps that had to go into that and the reason it had to be perfect, right? He was going to have to type that out on a typewriter and then it was going to take months, if not years to actually get the book going and then distribute it and all this. It's what's left over from this legacy world is everything that was forced upon them because of the lack of technology. But now, boom, I get feedback immediately. And once you recognize that all those old writers would be using this new method, because what where people will will come back on this and say, but but look at all these old time writers. They didn't have any of this, and it's because they didn't have access to it. They would mm -hmm. love to. I, Cole, I saw you tweet this morning. Um, who if, if Hemingway, Hemingway would be writing, writing short? Right. If Hemingway was writing today, he'd be writing short form stories on Twitter. Yep. And so, just it, it's it's hard to kind of remove this way of thinking, but once it does, it's it's very free, right? You just get to start sharing ideas and getting immediate feedback and it becomes fun versus stressful. And I gotta, it's gotta be perfect. And I can't show it to anyone unless it's ready. We want to kill that mindset. Yeah. And once you've gone down this path a year from now, a friend will come to you and be like, I have a book idea. And you'd be like, cool. What do people think of it? And they're like, well, I haven't shown it to anyone yet. And your digital writing brain is going to just fire off signals being like, what do you mean you haven't shown? 
you haven't written about it yet. You haven't posted anything on Twitter. You haven't written any articles. Where are your atomic essays? You haven't gotten any data. Like it's, it just, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's just a new way of thinking. And that's our goal. We want to give you a new way of thinking. So building on that, we have this framework called the lean writing framework. And what this is, is it is a way to test and validate your ideas before you over-invest in them, right? Why go spend two years writing a book or creating a course or building some digital product if you have no idea if that's even something that people are interested in? And this is a really big problem for writers because writers like to believe that we're the geniuses, right? We're the brilliant ones. And there's something super, here it cut. you can hear where this is going. It's just, you wanna be the one to sit in the chair, put on that chapeau, light that cigarette, stare out the window and go, I'm the genius who came up with everything, right? And the problem is that is just you getting in your own way because you are assuming you know what the reader wants and you don't know. You think you know, you don't know. And so your job when you use the lean writing framework is to test and validate your ideas as quickly as possible. So an atomic essay can become a Twitter thread can become a long form article, can become an email course, can become a digital product, can become an online course, can become a business, right? You should not start at the end. You should start at the beginning. And what we're going to do is we're going to show you examples of how this works and how a lot of times people will look at these like best-selling writers or these really popular digital creators and go, oh, this person just woke up and was brilliant one day. No, they weren't. They started small and they kept building and doubling down on the thing they saw that was working. This is really the, the principle of the lean startup applied to writing. And instead of thinking, I have to have this perfect idea and dictate it from the top down, it's much easier to start bottoms up where, hey, this is a great idea. Why don't I test that assumption first? Right. So Cole, if you jump to the next slide, there are really three steps of the leading writing lean writing framework. It's test, double down, expand. And you're just going to continue to do that. You're going to share hundreds of ideas. You're going to figure out which ones work. And then you're going to expand on those. And the way I internalize this to myself is your time is too valuable to spend a large amount of time on something long form that people aren't begging to read. Mm -hmm. By the time you invest in something that takes a long time, you should know very well that that's going to work. Because the worst done. thing you should write, the market should be begging for it. You're just answering what they're already looking for. And the way you do that is to put a lot of little data points out there. And we'll talk about this in framework number two, but it's allowing yourself the freedom to explore ideas without committing to them. And yeah. that's the, really the foundation of the lean writing framework. So drop in the chat. Have you seen other writers use this lean writing framework? We're going to show you some examples, but if you're familiar with any writers who took something short form, expanded it into long form or a business or a community or anything like that, drop them in the chat. Because I think most people, they're not keenly aware of this is what's happening. And so once we show you these examples, you'll see, oh, wow. I, I, I always thought it was, they had this great idea and they dictated it. Nope. It, it all came bottoms up. Yeah. This we'll, we'll show you a couple examples here. One that's in the deep dive, if you want to read it, um, I think my favorite example is Ryan Holiday. Most people know Ryan Holiday as the stoicism writer. You know, he wrote The Obstacle is the Way, and now he's written all of these books that are related to stoicism. And most people don't know that that is not where he started. He did not start day one just going, oh, I have this idea. I'm going to be the, the pop stoicism writer. He started as a marketing writer. And he first wrote a book called Trust Me, I'm Lying, which was all about how to manipulate the media and, and the blogosphere. And then he tried to double down on that data point and wrote a book called The Gro Growth Hacker Marketing, and it didn't do as well. And so he was like, huh, okay, I doubled down on this data point, didn't really work as well. So he went back to his library and he looked at all the things he wrote and he realized that this guest post that he wrote for Tim Ferriss called Stoicism 101 was one of his most popular things that he'd ever written on the internet. And he, he was getting emails from people all the time saying, I found that blog post so interesting. So what did he do? He expanded the blog post, Stoicism 101, into a book called The Obstacle is the Way. And now we're off and running, right? And so most people don't know the origin stories of how these things get created. And they think the person just woke up one day and was brilliant. And that's not what happens. 
what happens is they create lots of little things. They notice which one resonates and then they double down on it and they expand it and they just keep doing that thing that is working. Okay. So the easiest way of thinking about this is your writing is your product. You are the CEO of your own writing. Your writing is the startup, your writing is the product, and you are the CEO. And just like when you're building a startup, right, where you start and where you end up is usually very different. So it's not about waking up day one and going, I have a genius idea. It's about starting, creating lots of little things, getting reader feedback, getting customer feedback, and then iterating as you go. Yeah, so just to, to drive that point home a little bit, it's think of all the things that really good startups do. They ship an MVP, a minimum viable product, right? They get it out into the market instead of taking years to, to actually get to market. They talk to their users. And for you, that's talking to your readers, figuring out, hey, what resonated with you? What questions, what follow-ups do you have? What else could I share that would help you? You analyze your data. So we're going to talk about analytics during week three, but you put a bunch of things out there and then you take it back in and say, oh, I'm going to iterate this way, right? And so you're when you think about yourself less as writing and more as solving problems and solving specific problems, you then become the CEO and you get to make all these iterative decisions from the very beginning. So it's a very yeah. empowering way to think about your writing of, I'm going to dictate and iterate and test and all this. And it once you start treating writing this way, I promise you, you will have so much fun, right? Everything becomes something to think about with your writing. And that's why it's so much more than just putting pen to paper. And we hope you kind of start to see that with some of these examples. It's so much fun. And you move a hundred times faster than everyone else. Just end of story. And so Michael is a great example here. He's a, um, a ship alum and obviously still a great part of the, the community. But I, I love this kind of, these are two different uh, posts on Twitter from uh, about a year apart and, or, nine months apart. And on the left, it's, this is the process, you know, Michael going, okay, well, since I started this, I've started two eBooks, I've built a, an initial audience. I started my newsletter. I've published eight kind of pillar blog posts. I've shipped 60 atomic essays, right? He's going through the learning process. He's creating lots of different things and figuring out what is it that people are most interested in? Because as writers, we think we know, but we don't we're operating off of assumption and you want to get rid of the assumption and you want to get into, I have firm data that tells me this is what people are interested in from me. And then nine months later, he goes, you know what? I've really found this niche in practical stoicism. When I break down these complicated stoic concepts and explain to people how to make it practical in their lives, th that's really what's resonating with them. So I'm going to double down on that. That's my category. I'm going to launch products in that. I'm going to write more atomic essays around that, right? That's the, that's the lean writing process. And in order to do that, it's not about putting on your chapeau and lighting your cigarette and staring out the window, right? It's about writing, iterating, doubling down, learning over and over and over again. That's, yeah, that's Mike, the process. Michael has a course. He's got an, two eBooks now. He's got a huge following on Twitter. He's found his niche. He owns it. And it all came from just, he didn't know when he came into the, so he was in the original ship 30 cohort back in December of 2020 had just this interest in stoicism and said, I need to start putting these ideas out there. And you fast forward 14 months. It's really incredible what he's done. And we used to only be able to show famous writers on these slides when we showed examples of the lean writing framework. But now because we're about a year into ship 30 and sharing these frameworks. We're having a bunch of people who are seeing success just like this following the framework. Yep. Here's another one during same thing from, let's see, this was March last year. First time writing an essay about what it means to have multiple passions as a creator. Right. And so she called it something. We're going to get into this later in ship 30 naming, naming and claiming your ideas. So she calls it being a multi-passionate creator. Well, what happens right? All of these people start commenting and going, I'm a multi-passionate creator, right? So now she has all this data that says, hey, this thing that you're writing about is clearly working. It's clearly engaging people. A year later, right? That becomes the central data point. She doubles down on that. She makes that her category. She's like, I'm working on my first digital product, multi-passionate creator. 
that is, that is the thing I'm going to double down on. Well, how did she come up with that? Because she wrote a lot of different things. She experimented, she found, she listened to the data, she found the one that worked, and then she kept doubling down on it. Right. And this is, this is the recipe. This is what you're doing over and over again. You're just trying different ideas and then doubling down on the ones that work. Most people don't know. This is a fun, another example. Um, a bunch of these are in the deep dive as well. So we encourage you to read it. Most people have read or heard of this book, The Tipping Point. What most people don't know is that it actually started as an article by the exact same name about five, six years prior uh, when Malcolm Gladwell was a contributor to The New Yorker. He wrote an article called The Tipping Point, and it was his most popular article. And a publisher said, hey, we love that article. We, you should turn that into a book. So what did he do? He took the article, he expanded it with more examples, and he turned it into a book. And then it becomes one of the most you know, best-selling nonfiction books of all time. So this is one of those things where it's not, it's, it's like demystifying the process of creating things that people, that really grab people's attention. It's not about you being a genius. <laughs> like that should make you feel better, right? It's you, you can remove that expectation. It's about you trying lots of different things and then just doubling down on the ones that work. Yeah. I mean, what you just said is worth repeating this. It, it demystifies this genius idea, right? You don't have to be a genius. You just have to put ideas out there and kind of follow the breadcrumbs. The market and your readers are going to lead you where you to something successful when you're putting out enough data points, right? No. They didn't sit down and dictate this from the top. And then everyone said, wow, I can't believe you've done this, right? They started very small and then they iterated iterated, iterated, and the result looks like a genius outcome. But in reality, it was just them following what the market was telling them. And oftentimes the best ideas are the ones that are staring you right in the face and you just, you need to know what to look for. Mark Manson, if you've seen this bright orange book in the airport at any time, this is the same example. Mark Manson had a very popular blog in the 2000s and a publisher went to him and said, we want you to do a book. And he goes, on what? What should my book be about? And the publisher goes, I don't know. What's your most popular article? Does anyone want to guess the name of the most popular article in Mark Manson's library? Feel free to take a guess in the chat. It should be very obvious. It was titled The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, right? It, and it, so you're not being a genius on your own. You're literally just create. He had written thousands of blog posts. And he just went into his library. We're going to show you how to do this in Ship 30. He just went into his library. He clicked sort by most popular. And then the number one he took and he said, I'm just going to expand that. And now you have one of the best selling books of all time in the nonfiction category. Right. And I love, I love these stories because they reveal how much you don't need to put all that pressure on yourself. You don't have to sit there and be like, the next thing that comes out of my mouth needs to be brilliant or I'm a terrible writer because that's not what any of these writers are doing. They're all using the lean writing framework. So then the question is, okay, well, that's all great, Cole and Dickie, but how do we know what's working, right? How do you objectively tell when you have a good idea that's worth doubling down on? So Dickie, you want to explain this one? Yeah, this framework came after... I shared this story on the kickoff call, but after my nine months of, of writing weekly blog posts and where it came from was I had all these ideas that I knew I wanted to talk about, but that weekly cadence of thinking I needed to be perfect, spending so much time on it, this long form content, I just felt stuck. I didn't have a good mechanism for getting these ideas that I assumed people wanted to read. And I assumed I wanted to write about eventually. And Instead of thinking, ooh, I'm going to just assume that the market is interested in this idea, or I'm going to assume myself that I'm interested in writing about this forever, right? I needed a way to kind of pick up that feedback loop. And the way to think about this is making noise and listening for signals. So instead of assuming you know what people want, you're going to know what people want before you invest any long form time. And so the way to think about this is you're probably coming into Ship 30 with two assumptions. You think you know what you want to write about for 30 days. And you think you know what people want to read. And for most people, they operate their entire writing lives with those two assumptions. And they never join Ship 30, or they never join something that allows them to test those assumptions. 
And so the goal is by the end, you go through what takes most people years of time and you do it in 30 days where, so here's, here are a couple of ways to think about this. There's probably a handful of you who are coming in right now thinking you're going to write about productivity or whatever topic it is. And you're going to write about them for five days. And then you're going to say, wow, I think I've said everything I have to say about that topic. And I don't want to write about it anymore. We see this every single time. And then there's another one where you think, hey, I bet people are going to be really interested in these topics. And you share them and you share them and you find, you know, people weren't that interested. So what you're going to do over the next 30 days is share a ton of data points, all this making noise, putting things out into the world. And then you're going to listen for signal from that. And the way to do what you're looking for is this overlapping Venn diagram here, where you're going to share a bunch of things that you sat down and it was so easy to write that day. And then you're going to have some things that right when you put them out there, everyone goes, that was amazing. I need more of that. And then you're going to double down in that middle circle of this was really easy to write, or I loved writing this and people liked it. Now I'm going to double down on those. And the yeah. way to do that, we call that listening for signal. So Cole, you want to talk about these internal signals? Yeah, this is, you know, I, I want to um, just kind of pause on this distinction because it's really important to be clear. We are not saying ignore your own passion and only write what's popular. That's not what we're saying. We're saying it is very important to pay attention to what is getting people's attention and what's not. Okay. And so your goal isn't like, it's just as much of a mistake to only write what's popular and try and chase that hamster wheel as it is to show up to the internet and go, I'm only going to write what I want to write about. And I don't care if anyone likes it. Right. Cause that puts you as the center of the universe and it's very selfish. Right. If you want to be a writer, it's not about you. Right. It's about engaging the reader. It's about educating the reader. It's about entertaining the reader. Right. It's all about the reader. So part of what you're looking for is this magic combination of this was effective at getting people's attention. And I enjoyed creating this. I, I, I feel fulfilled by this. I'm curious about this. So some of those internal signals are, it's easy for you, right? It just, it just comes out. We all have that feeling. You, you sat down to write, something just falls out of you effortlessly. Well, take that as a signal, right? Maybe you should do more of that. Clearly that's, that's just happening. The second is you go, oh, this is really enjoyable. Now the asterisk here is enjoyable doesn't mean easy enjoyable can be difficult. You like you can really enjoy digging into things that are complicated or digging into things that require a lot of research. And if to you it feels like play, you should do that a lot, right? So if you enjoy what you're writing about, you're going to be more successful at that than someone who goes, I hated every minute of this, right? You're just, you're never going to stick with it. And third is the, the amount of friction, Right. If you feel like it's like, oh, you got to work so hard to understand it and to get through it, maybe it's worth doing that one or two times so that you learn. But that's probably not going to be your most frictionless path forward. Right. So these these are the internal signals that you're looking for, which are very different than the external. The external are how many views did this get? How many likes did this get? How many comments did this get? How many shares did this get, right? Those are very objective metrics saying, I wrote 10 things. I usually average three likes. One of these things got nine likes. I should pay attention to that. I should question why that happened. And if you can combine these internal and the external metrics, you're gonna end up at that intersection of, I'm good at engaging people and also, I'm going to stick with it longer because I enjoy it. That's really what you're looking for. The important point here, here, Cole, if you can just go back, the, honestly, if you go back two more slides to the Venn diagram. Now, the way to think about this Venn diagram is everything you write is an option. So let's say you put something out and it on the internal side, it was so easy to write about. You really enjoyed it. There was no friction but people tell you it's just not that interesting. You could continue to go down that path, but it's probably not gonna end up where you wanna end up. At the same time, let's say you, it took all day to write something, you didn't like it, it was very difficult, and the, and the readers say that was amazing. 
Do you have to go down that path? No. In fact, you shouldn't because it's not going to be sustainable. So this goes back to what you said, Cole. You're not necessarily just following what people want. You want this overlap and you're going to find that overlap. That is the best part about Ship 30 is everyone leaves saying, I found that overlap. I know what's easy to write about and what people are interested in, right? And once you find that, it's like nirvana, right? You just, you, you get to write every single day. You know, people are going to be interested in it. You're not going to find it in one day. It might take 30 days. It might take a year, but that this is the process. You're looking for finding that way of writing that you love and that people love as well. And once you find that, that's when your flywheel really starts to spin. So don't think it's, oh, I got to figure it out from day one. It's not going to happen on day one. But I just want to drive home that point that everything is an option, right? You don't have to chase any single path, but you want to generate a lots of potential paths. Yeah. And this, and it's all based on experimentation. I mean, I, I see in the uh, channel two, Devin, you asked the question of, does this translate to fiction writing, to other platforms? This is true for everything, right? You, before you write a novel, you should write a short story right? Before you write a long how-to guide, you should write a short summary, you know? But all we're saying is that you should just start small, double down, and then see where the journey takes you, okay? That, that is the whole purpose of writing. And the longer that you do it, you'll realize that there is no end destination. I've changed my category seven times over the last seven years, you know, it's not a marriage decision. It's that as you keep going, as you write about new things, you can change with it as well. But the point is to not do that based on assumption and to do it based on data. That's the distinction. You're not doing it because you think it's a good idea. You're doing it because the market is validating that it is a good idea. So again, just as a recap, this is the process that we're going through. Weeks one and two, we're just going to focus on making lots of noise. The reality is, forever you're going to be making noise. You should always be thinking about making noise. You always want to be trying new topics and seeing what resonates with people. Then weeks three and four, we're going to show you, okay, let's extract some of those data points and let's double down on the ones that are clearly working. And as you start to double down, what you're going to find, we're just going to plant the seed now, what you're going to find is this existential crisis of someone going, I don't want to just be one thing, right? I want to be everything. But the, but the truth is you can only do one thing at a time. You have to be known for one thing in order to get people to care about all the other things that you do. So we're going to walk you through that process and show you how that works. So just as a primer, right? Again, like we said with the golden nuggets, don't try and do all of this at the same time, just step by step. Okay, so what's one signal that you want to pay attention to? Do you want to focus more on the, do I enjoy this? Do I not enjoy it? Is this easy? Is this not easy? Or do you want to go more to the objective route? This got a lot of likes. This didn't get a lot of likes. This got a lot of comments. It didn't get a lot of comments. I think it's really helpful to pick one of these to start with and go, this is what I'm going to focus my attention on. This is how I'm going to measure success for myself. For me, I'm going into this 30 days focusing in the first two weeks, purely on ease. I want to wake up every day. I have my constraints, which are I'm sharing three things. Every Everything I write, whether it's a thread or an essay, is going to be three things. And I'm going to explore a ton of different topics. But just adding that little bit of constraints is going to let me go. Today, I'm going to share three podcast episodes that really impacted me or three questions I ask or three habits that have helped me, right? I'm going to explore a ton of different topics but it's all going to be ease for me. I want to sit down and say, boom, this came right to mind. I knock it out in 20 minutes, 150, 200 words, bang, I'm on to the next day. And I, I encourage you all to focus on ease and enjoyment during week one. Focus mm -hmm. on ease or enjoyment, pretty much the same idea there of when you're building a writing habit, don't think you have to write for the market yet. It's very early. It's all about ease to do it sustainably. So Focus on that this week would be our best piece of advice. You can worry about views and all that later once you have some more data points. Yeah, it gets easier as you go along. The hardest point of the entire digital writing journey is the first thing you write because you have no data, right? You have no data, you have no momentum, you have no library, you have nothing to work with. But the more you write, the bigger your library gets, the more data points you have, 
the easier it becomes to figure out what's working, what's not, what ideas can I double down on. It always gets easier. So from this moment forward, it is easier. Okay. So just keep that in mind. The more you write, the more you have to play with. But wait, how do we write in a way that allows us to test these things? Right. This is all great. We, you follow us, you understand the idea, but now it's a question of how do you execute? Okay. So the easiest way to test lots of different ideas, this is kind of the, the early version of the endless idea generator that we're going to walk you through in the next live session. The easiest way to cater your ideas to different people is to use this framework that we call for who, so that, okay. And every time you sit down to write at a minimum, you want to be able to answer these two questions for who, who's this for, who's the audience so that why does it matter? What, what's the outcome? What's the benefit? What are they going to get out of it? Okay. So let's walk through this and, and feel free to take screenshots, jot notes, whatever's going to help you remember this. And then in breakout rooms, um, you'll be able to go around and kind of spitball with other people and clarify, okay, here's some for who options. Here's some, so that options. And then if you haven't written your first atomic essay, you can use that as your framework today uh, to dig into that. So here's the for who. This is, this is probably the easiest way to immediately come up with a gazillion different ideas. And I find that writers don't consider this when they sit down to write. Just because you wrote, you wrote about a topic once doesn't mean that you should never write about it again. Right. It's not like you, like I write about some digital writing tips and I go, oh, I already wrote about digital writing tips. And so I can't write about that ever again. No, you should do the opposite. You should go, oh, people really find digital writing tips valuable from me. I'm going to do that a thousand times. I'm going to do it over and over and over again. And the way that you do that is you can twist one of these two knobs. And the first knob is changing the audience. So you're going to write very different content when you're writing digital writing tips for college students versus digital writing tips for marketing managers versus digital writing tips for marine biologists versus digital writing tips for wellness experts, right? Each one of those audiences means that you're going to cater the information to a different type of person. Now, the beauty of this is this is how you take something that's really specific and you cater it to lots of different people, right? Because if someone's interested in digital writing tips, you're probably interested in, this, in similar uh, content as all of these other audiences are. So you can keep switching and changing it around without losing the core nucleus of what makes your audience want to pay attention to you. So replace digital writing tips here as the example with whatever you want. So real quick, just as a, just so that everyone kind of understands this, throw in the chat, what is something that you're going to write about and what's the for who? So I want to write about, you know, workout routines for college athletes right? Who, who's, what's the for who? And, and this is what immediately pushes specificity in your writing, right? Yoga for people who are afraid to start. Okay, great. We immediately have more clarity. I love this meditation for people with tinnitus. That's a, that is awesome. That's a whole new category. That I know that's it. You're definitely going to talk about meditation for people with tinnitus differently than meditation for college students who are are overloaded with their courses, right? You can see that we're talking about, you're probably coming in saying, I want to write about this topic, but you probably haven't thought about who it's for. Mm -hmm. And the second you start to think about who it's for, it's a whole new avenue. And again, you do not have to decide who it's for, and that is your decision forever. Part of Ship 30 is I'm going to share some tips for these types of people. And for these types of people, and for these types of people, and for people in this situation, and from people from this area, right? This is something you get to test. And then once you find it, the easiest way to do it is to write for yourself two years ago. But we're going to talk about that on Tuesday um, yeah. with the Endless Idea Generator. So this is just a little preview, but I, I already see people starting to add that level of specificity here in the chat, right? Building habits for those in transitions. Claire, that's awesome. Trauma for people with self-doubt. Awesome. And um, NFT applications for non-believing executives. Think about how specific that is. If you were to just say, I'm going to write about NFT applications, people would be like, yeah, okay, I kind of get it, but who's it for? 
right? But the moment that you name the who, the person goes, I get it. Creativity tips for introverts. Kelly, that's awesome. great. Career decision for overthinkers. Brent, exactly. Amazing. Marketing strategies for bakery businesses. Yes, yeah. that's now we're talking. And so I hope the gears are turning for everyone here, right? You came in, I knew it was going to be productivity, but I didn't think about productivity for people with a side hustle, right? Productivity for single moms with three kids. Mm -hmm. These are completely different ball games. Conversational trip tips for introverts. Phil, that's great. I mean, all of these are amazing. We can't get to them all, but YouTube tips for tech startups, right? This is just a little bit of an unlock that hopefully your creative juices are all flowing. Hiking tips for people with bad knees. I would read that. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Please write that. Okay, so that's the first knob. Okay, now the second knob is the so that. And, and we kind of were getting into this in some of the examples in the chat. The so that is it can be an audience, right? Because someone who wants to attract their first thousand followers, for example, is technically, it's a who, it's an audience, right? But the so that component has more to do with the outcome or the benefit or the problem that you want to help people solve, right? So digital writing tips for first-time authors is the for who. Digital writing tips for first-time authors to attract their first thousand followers is the for who plus so that, right? It's the outcome. What, what's the point? If you're going to write digital writing tips for first-time authors, why, right? What are we working toward? So look at all these different so that examples to launch a number one bestseller, to earn their first thousand dollars, to build credibility and get published in major publications. Now, the thing I want to point out here, and this is, this is where there's this confusion of writers saying, I already wrote about this. I don't, I, sh I don't want to write about it again, or I feel like I can't write about it again. This is basically the same idea, just with different so that's slightly tweaked over and over again. Okay, so if you are interested in reading digital writing tips, you're going to want to read all of these pieces, right? Because they all speak to your interests. These are all problems that you have, or these are all goals that you have. So when you sit down to write, you are, your goal is to figure out what are all the different things that that reader would be interested in. They're not just interested in reading one thing about digital writing tips. They want the whole library, right? They want everything. So what's the everything? That's your job is every time you think about the so that you're coming up with what are all their different goals? What are all their different problems, right? So when you combine these two together, all of a sudden you have a very easy framework for figuring out who you're writing for and why it matters. So real quick. Here, you go back, go back one slide. Just drop in the chat the so that, right? You just did a something for who? What, what is your so that here? So if you said, you know, people, I, I love that very first one I saw, meditation for people with tinnitus, so that blank, so mm -hmm. that they can do it peacefully, so that they can achieve X, Y, and Z, right? The way to think about this is once you're starting to go down the path of for who, all your content should be a so that, right? Mm -hmm. I share digital writing tips for first-time authors, and today's piece is for those it's going to teach you how to attract this or how to think about this or how to do this or how to analyze this. So, so the, that example too, that you pulled Dickie, uh, marketing strategies for local bakeries, mm -hmm. right? So that you can have more time to eat chocolate cake and spend less time doing your finances, right? Like what's the reason so that, and literally use the words so that, you can do X, Y, Z. Yeah, I love seeing these, right? So this is this is the kind of thinking you just want to start to do here. It's, I, I have a topic. I know I'm going to be interested in it. And don't worry, next week, starting on Tuesday, we're going to walk you through our endless idea generator that takes this for who, so that, and then leaves you with 200 plus ideas where your biggest struggle becomes, how do I choose which one to write about today? So we just wanted to get those kind of creative juices flowing on the specificity side, because this is really what you're exploring over the next 30 days. It's who am I writing for and what am I helping them achieve, right? Any startup should be able to say what problem they solve and what outcome they help generate. Mm -hmm. And if you're following the lean writing framework, you're going to say, I help people solve these problems to achieve this. And Something the more specific, I'm... yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, something I, I see, and I, I see this all the time whenever we present this in the chat is like, well, how does this apply to personal stories? How does this apply to fiction stories, right? It's all the same framework, okay? If you're writing a personal story, you should be able to say what heartbreak felt like for me so that you don't have to go through it too, right? And that can literally be a personal story. It doesn't have to be a how-to post, but, but the title, the framing should be, what, what are you writing about? Who is it for? Why does it matter? So that they unlock a benefit or they avoid a problem or they overcome an obstacle, right? All great stories do this. You, no one would sit down and read a story where there isn't a, a problem and an outcome right? That's the first question. What's the story about? Oh, well, this person starts off and they're in love and then they get in a huge fight with their partner. And then they realize that they weren't actually in love. And then in the end, they realize that they need to be apart. Okay. Well, this story is for people who think they're in love, find out that they're not, and then have to find a way forward, right? For who so that it's the same exact thing. So I just, I really encourage everyone like don't rush through this and go, oh, this is just clickbait for how-to articles. No, this is a framework for thinking. And you got to sit there for a couple minutes and soak on it and go, okay, why does this matter? Who is it for? What are they going to get out of it? All right. That's the whole, that's the whole thing that we're trying to introduce to you here. And so, I, I think one more point on that is if you're telling personal stories or sharing anecdotes or writing fiction, it's a little bit more difficult to identify that. Mm -hmm. But that is the differentiator between all the great fiction and all the great stories is they are helping people achieve something. They just don't explicitly say it, yeah. right? So if your immediate gut reaction was, how does this apply to what I'm writing? It just means you haven't thought about it yet, right? So that's it on that front. We can recap real quickly everything we covered. Drop in the chat what your golden nugget was from our first live session here. We talked about analog writing versus digital writing, the way of thinking. We talked about lean writing, which is treating your writing like a startup. You're the CEO as of today. You just started a brand new company, day one. You put something out there, boom, you're now the CEO. Making noise, listening for signal. That's what I'm doing this cohort. I got a ton of ideas I want to start writing about. I'm going to go test a bunch of them. And then for who so that, it's just a, a new way of adding specificity. So let's dig through. Which one's the most popular you think so far, Cole? I'm seeing a lot of for who so that. It's definitely a, a zero to one. Right. And it makes it easier. You, It's a lot easier to write about productivity advice for middle market SaaS project managers, right? Because you know their struggles. And if you're, if you're struggling right now with, I don't know who my for who's are going to be, we're going to tackle that on Tuesday. We're going to help yeah. you understand who are you credible enough to write about. And you might think, I don't think I'm credible enough to put anything out there for someone. And it's just because you haven't completed the two-year test, which we're going to talk about on Tuesday. Yeah. And just trust the process, everyone. You know, this is session one. We're laying the groundwork. We're planting the seeds. We promise questions that arise. We're going to get there. We're going to answer them. Just trust the process because we're introducing all of these things in a very specific order. Right. You got to understand one before you understand two, before you understand three. So just keep going, ship your atomic essays, try things as you go, but trust that as you continue forward, things will continue to make more and more sense.